My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. I didn't listen to something she told me or something. I mean, I liked her. It's like you embarrass yourself if you say something, and you embarrass yourself if you don't. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, Something great will come of it. Good morning. My name's Pastor Taylor. I'm the associate pastor here at Sunrise Church. Um, if you haven't seen that movie, it's called We Bought a Zoo. It's a great one. It's a, you, you got to get it for the family. It's about a guy named Benjamin Me. As you can saw, see, that was Matt Damon, and he's got two young kids, and he buys this 18-acre property where there's this wildlife park on it, and it's kind of run down, it's kind of all over the place, and he buys this as kind of an adventure. He leaves his journalist job, his wife is deceased at the time, and he takes his two kids, and they go and take on this adventure, and he uses the theme of 20 seconds of insane bravery throughout the entire movie, of courage, all that, and it's just kind of this replicating theme. So I just want to pull the quote up here, One one more time for you this morning. And it says, you know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, just literally 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. And I promise you something great will come of it. You know, this quote got me thinking about uh, the times in my life where fear has kind of controlled the narrative. And uh, I was thinking about this, all the decisions that I've made based out of fear and some that I've made out of courage. And so it got me, I researched this and I'm here to tell you that we actually make, the average person makes 35,000 decisions in a single day. A single day. Isn't that crazy? That you make 35,000 conscious decisions in a single day. And as we kind of think about that, I was, I was thinking, man, do I make those decisions out of faith or do I make those decisions out of fear? Because I think we all have that filter, especially as followers of Jesus, as we're all kind of wrestling with the decisions that we make. And so what kind of concerns me about that, though, is that if we look kind of at the future and all the decisions, we can, we can kind of get the scary idea that 
man, our past controls a lot of our future because the decisions that we make are based off our past experiences, past failures, past successes, past all of that. So if we have a past where we're ashamed of or a past where we've made poor decisions, um, we could live a future through the lens of our past that's haunted by our past, which is kind of a, kind of a scary thing to think about. And so uh, one of the things I've had to do, and I just want to be honest this morning more than anything, is I've had to kind of combat that fear, this deep-rooted fear. I've done a lot of work over the last year and a half, kind of getting down to just the heart-level stuff. And one of the things that I wrestle with at the just core of who I am is being enough. And I know that that seems maybe... Uh, you don't resonate with that and not everyone's going to, but some of you do out there. And I've had to wrestle and go, man, I've got to make a decision in faith to combat that fear. I've had to have that 20 seconds of insane courage to, to kind of combat that. And so I just want to kind of tell you a story a little bit, go back in time. Um, my wife and I, my wife's name's Annie and, uh, we got engaged back in 2014 and, uh, she was definitely waiting for me to, you know, get my act together and, and get and put a ring on it, you know, as they would say. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't following her timeline. All right. And so as we were going through this process, it kind of, kind of had me thinking about this moment where I kind of look within. And if you're a guy, you, you've been here before, you wrestled this, some people do it differently. The woman picks out the ring, they get it together. Um, I wanted to surprise Annie. So I go into the store, I look at the, at the jewelry store, I'm looking at all these things. And it's kind of that surreal moment where you're, you're kind of a little bit afraid. I'm kind of insecure. You know, you're kind of asking yourself all these questions. And really what a lot of it ties to is as, as a man, you're kind of exposing yourself, putting yourself out there to this woman of the, your dreams. And she's got all your dreams. She's got your heart. She's got all your hopes. And she's the very same person that can take it all away. And that's kind of scary. And so as you get there and you get down on one knee and you're, and you're, get, you're thinking about that moment, you're going, man, oh, what if... I'm not good enough for her. What if I can't do this? What if I mess up? What if I have all these mistakes and all of a sudden this fear of me being good enough starts rising to the top? And, you know, I easily could have sat there and let that decision win out, let fear win out and, you know, and just stayed there and stagnant in our relationship. But obviously I, I, you know, I've got a ring on my finger. So we made it, we made it. All right. We've been married for over five years now and it's, uh, it's been an awesome journey. But, uh, but it's had me thinking about that, which means if I'm thinking about those moments of fear, you've got them too. And you may not resonate maybe with the engagement piece. Maybe some of you men out there had so much more courage than me. I was just too insecure. Uh, but maybe you resonate with how fear has kind of run over your life, which had me thinking about what if we change the question? What if we reverse the question of this 20 seconds of insane courage or embarrassing bravery? And what if we said, if you could do anything in the world, anything, and you just had to take that advantage of that 20 seconds, what would you do? Would you start a business? Would you leave your job? Would you start a new career? You know, would you, would you start that new skill? COVID's been a great season for starting new skills and talents, right? Maybe you'd go and reconcile a relationship. What would you do? Maybe you'd move somewhere, you'd be a missionary, you'd move out of the United States. I mean, if, if literally you could not fail, what would you do? And as I asked that question, some of you are like, I, 
I haven't even thought in that kind of lens, Taylor. It's been so long to even think about what a dream is. I've been just going eight to five, dealing with the kids, making sure they eat, making sure they get their homework done. Now becoming a teacher this year, like let's stop, let's stop the dreaming nonsense, right? And I know that can be tough. And I'd say a lot of the things that stand in the way of our dreams and, and what we aspire and some of those things that are from way back in the past that were like, man, I was hoping one day I might do that. What's the reason we don't do those? The thing that stands in the way is fear. I mean, really, it is fear. And some of us say, no, it's just wisdom because I can't afford it. I can't do it. I got to provide for my family. And I say, yeah, absolutely. But it's, but it's fear. It's fear that stands in the way. And so today we're continuing in this series of unlikely heroes, which means we're just, there's no such thing as an unlikely hero in the Bible, but we're going through characters and people that you might have missed if you've read through the Bible, that you might've kind of went right over. And today's character, today's person is Benaniah. And you may not know Benaniah, but he's found in the book of 2 Samuel. It's a great story because Benaniah comes face to face with so many fears. He looks fear. He has 20 seconds of courage. It feels like every time in his life, like every moment he runs into it. But the truth is there's not a whole lot written about him. We got four lines we're going through today. I know, only four lines. And so I want to read these. Let's read them together and let's look at the story of Benaniah. It says, there was also Benaniah, son of Je- Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kibzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaniah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaniah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of the bodyguard. Man, isn't that, isn't that something? Like, we look at that and we go, man, that's, that's big time. Like, that's big time stuff. And if you don't know kind of what they're speaking to, the mighty men is, are the people that surrounded David and helped him, King David, lead his charge when it came to his military, when it came to his political objectives, all those things. These mighty men were 30 plus men that kind of sat around him and helped make his kingship happen and were loyal to him. And then it speaks of kind of three that kind of get a little bit more of the attention or the spotlight, as you say, and Benaniah wasn't one of them. So as we kind of look at this this morning, I, I think one of the things that gets me more than anything is that I can, we can read over that and it can become like almost a superhero. Like we're watching a Marvel movie, for instance, and, we, and we're going, dude, that's awesome. Stinking, he's killing two Moab, Moabites. He's killing a seven and a half foot Egyptian giant. You know, he's, he's stinking chasing after lions. This is wild. This is crazy, you know. And uh, the thing is, we'll go right on through the story. And we'll kind of keep going. It's almost, it's almost kind of like scrolling through your Facebook feed. It's like, oh man, that's, a, that's kind of cool. And then you scroll to the next thing. And what happens in that process is we become numb to the fact that God wants to move in your life in such a powerful way as he did in Benanias. We don't, we don't relate. We don't relate to this idea that God is, is so powerful and so mighty. We look at Benanias' story and go, man, that, that's cool. I don't think God does that today. And my thing is, why do we 
approach God that way? Why do we see God that way? And the over-generic answer for all of us is we just put God in a box. And the reason we put him in a box is because many of us feel like we live mundane, boring lives, work our job from eight to five, go through the motions, take care of our kids, and really are just trying to live what we'll call maybe a simple life of provision and some faithfulness, if you could say that. And because of that, because of we, we live in our own box, we put God in that box. And we think, man, he doesn't, he doesn't want to show up. But the truth is, is, is we look at the story and we really stop here. We stop scrolling through the feed of our Facebook. We stop reading on to the next story in the Bible. We stop on these four lines and we go, man, look at this story. Look at this man. Do you know God wants to do big things? I know it's kind of hard to see, especially in a season like this. But God wants to do big things. God wants to do massive things. God wants you to go after things that, honestly, you can only do if he shows up. That if it all falls apart, it's on him. Like, that's what he wants you to go for. But oftentimes, we like read, oh man, chasing a lion into a pit, snowy day. Cool story, deuces, next one. It's like, no, let's stop. Let's look at this. Let's see how big God is. Let's see what he wants to do. And I know, I know this has been a challenging season. And I think it's really hard to maybe try to view God as this big, gigantic God who wants to move mountains in our lives when it feels like he hasn't even moved COVID. He hasn't even provided the job. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this season a lot and I'm thinking about the lives that are lost. You know, it's so easy to just go, oh yeah, there was eight lives today. Okay, there was five lives yesterday. And it's just easy to become numb to it. Like, that's, that's a, like those are just normal casualties. And I just don't, I don't want to be numb to that. I want to know, I want to feel that people are dying in the season. You know, I just found out a friend lost his job, lost it a while back, but I didn't, I didn't see it till a couple days ago or, or know of it. And man, that's, it's not just him, it's, it's others. It's others in the process. So many jobs have been lost in the season. So many events have been canceled. There was weddings this summer that were supposed to happen, weddings in the spring, I mean, can we just stop for a moment and go, man, there's people out there, and maybe you or maybe someone else in your circle that is being impacted by this pandemic, this virus in ways that, man, if we could just stop and just go, man, I, I want to feel with you. I want to feel what's going on in the season. And to stop and feel is a little scary because it's uncomfortable and it's unpredictable. But I don't want to move on in the story until we just really just acknowledge, man, there's so much pain going on around us. And even when there's pain, it's, it's hard to say that, man, okay, God, you're, you're moving and you're working. But I really look at the season and, and I just feel one of the things that God continues to bring a light in the season is that as Ifoma, our worship leader, said so well earlier, this, is that God doesn't change. He doesn't change. 
Like our circumstances might, everything might, but God does not change. His promises do not change. And I'm just thinking about that going, man, what if this season, what if the season that we're in right now is actually an invitation? What if it's an invitation into something big, that big dream that you would have never gone after if this season didn't hit? That big goal, that thing that if God doesn't show up, you fail. Like seriously, what if this season is an invitation? And the truth is, as we look at the season, it's scary. It's uncertain. You know, I talk to any leader in the season, any business leader, anyone who's doing this, they're like, they're trying to make plans for 2021 and no one can. No one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what next week holds. And can I tell you the truth? We never knew any of that before this season started. This season has just brought it to life how out of control we are and how uncomfortable and unpredictable everything actually is. And so if I'm really honest with you, if I'm just really, really honest with you, we're being exposed. I'm being exposed. We as Christians are being exposed. The world is being exposed. And the truth is, we're starting to see some of the things that we held as idols that we didn't know were idols in our lives. And that's hard and it's uncomfortable and it hurts. I'm right here with you. I'm tired of the season. I'm tired. I'm I'm done wearing a mask. I'm done following the rules. I'm like, I I want to be done with all this stuff. I want to go back to the way things are, but I feel like God's sitting here and saying, no, 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 Taylor, I'm inviting you into something bigger than you understand, bigger than you know. I am God and I do not change. And this has not caught me off guard. God is inviting us in in this season. And I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Because I have my idols, and here we are, and I feel like what God is showing all of us is that we've got a lion in front of us, and it's snowy out, and he's asking us if we're going to join him in the pit in this season. And it's so much easier for most of us, we realize that when we encounter lions, a normal person runs away. Like, that's what normal people do. But not Benaniah. He's like, no, dude, I'm going to chase this thing into a pit. And I go, man, when we encounter a situation where our fears immediately go up, all of a sudden we, we go to our true north. We go to our muscle memory. And a lot of us in the season are go, hey, I'm afraid that I might catch this virus and pass it on to someone vulnerable. You know me? I've got a, I've got a daughter who's three months old. And anyone under one years old is considered someone that's, you know, that is very vulnerable in the season. And so I've got that fear. I carry that fear. I'm like, man, something, I, if I don't take it seriously and I pass it, I, and some of us are afraid, man, like what if the economy doesn't recover? Because, I mean, that's real. Like what if the economy doesn't recover from this? How long is it going to take? And some of us are afraid that the government is overstepping in this season. That's a valid fear. There's all kinds of fears going on in this season. And I'm here to tell you, those ones and the ones I haven't even mentioned that you're feeling are real. They're real. 
But if you're like me, sometimes what you do in these situations, I'm not saying you've done this, I'm not saying anyone around you, but I'm saying I have done this. I confess to you, Taylor has done this. I have made some of those fears bigger than God. And I have had these decisions in front of me, conversations, all these things, and I have had this filter of making a decision, and I have chose fear over faith. And God's like, hey, I'm inviting you into something. And I'm going, no, I'm afraid. Because God, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where things are going. I don't know what you're doing with all this. And I get afraid. And I think we're all afraid. I think we're having moments where our fears are coming to the surface. And I'm not saying they're not real. Because they're real. But I wonder, as we enter a situation where we're encountering this lion, how do we become a person that says, hey, I'm not going to run the other way. I'm not going to stand still. I'm actually going to chase this lion into the pit. And guess what? The weather conditions are not ideal. I'm like, how do we do that? And so I just want to highlight three points that I see in Ben and I's life that I think we can take into account, that we can kind of pull around us in this season as, we, as God calls us into something more as followers of Jesus. And so I just want to say my first point here. It says, surround yourself with people who are better and different than you. I'm going to read you a, uh, I'm going to read you a few men that Ben and I would have rubbed shoulders with. Um, so the first one is Joshua Beam. And Joshua Beam was a chief of captains who killed 800 men at once with a spear. No big deal, right? No big deal. The second is Eleazar. He fought alone with King David until his hand clung to his sword, basically until he couldn't lift it again. No big deal. That's a warrior. And then another is Shema, and he defended a plot of barley from a Philistine camp by himself. And another of the men was Abishai, and he was commander of King David's mighty men, and his brother was one of David's military captains, and he also killed 300 men, and was the son of a giant. It's like, man, these are some beasts. And then lastly, there's King David. He's a giant killer himself, right? He is the king of a nation. He is, I mean, he's looked at as one of the greatest kings. He united Israel, the 12 tribes, when it came to, came to it, religiously and politically. And so when you catch a glimpse of these tough, rugged individuals that Ben and I hung around, it would have been easy to go, Oh, Benaniah could have been just another name on a page. Like that, he could have just settled for that. But what I see here is something different. He hung around these mighty men. He hung around these guys, which tells me, let's just go back to that old-fashioned phrase. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Who are you hanging around right now? Benaniah hung around these guys so that he could rise to the level of them. Who are you hanging around? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you consuming in this season? Because I think that has a lot to tell you of where we're all going to go. Are we just around people who think like us and talk like us? And be, I mean, seriously, I'm asking myself that. What about just even as Christians in this season? You know, I've been around, I've been here at Sunrise for over five years, and I love my Sunrise family. Gosh, I love you guys. 
I miss you guys. I want you here in person. Like that's, that's the truth. I want to just smile and hug and drink coffee together. And that's what I really want to do. I love you guys. I miss you guys. Seriously. But man, a lot of my friends that are non-Christian, that list has just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm realizing it's really hard for me to have empathy with people that I don't hang around, with people I don't understand. Who are you hanging around? Are they different than you? Are they better than you? Are you the biggest fish in your pond? Man, I think God is calling us to more in this season. He's inviting us to chase the lion, to hang around people that are better than us and different than us. And now I want to hit my second point, which I think is is such a, a good one. It says, be faithful with what is right in front of you. Or for some of you, I think just an easy way to say this is just keep showing up. You know, showing up, we kind of, uh, we kind of don't like that one so much because that's redundant. But what we see here in Benaniah's life is not a guy who's like, has a one-time thing. You know, we see, man, two Moabites, then a lion, then an Egyptian. And then if we kind of maybe deconstruct that a little bit and go back, I don't think he woke up one morning going, hey, okay, today's the day I kill the lion. Today's the day I go to fight with the Egyptian. Like, today's the day. No, I think it started way back here. Doing the little things. Doing them right. Piece by piece. Just just doing the little things. Getting up early. Maybe lifting weights, you know. Starting with the small dumbbells. Working your way up. For some of you, it's as simple as, man, this season God has gotten away from you. Maybe it's as simple as just picking up that Bible and saying, hey, I I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do, but I need to start somewhere because God speaks through his word. And some of you, you've disconnected from community because it's been an incredibly difficult season to do that. I know. But God might be calling you into that. And I'm not saying it has to be face-to-face. I'm saying, though, that you can reach out. We've got phones. We've got technology. God speaks through people. Or maybe it's just as simple as you just need to get back to praying and talking to God. You know, a lot of us, when we get in these seasons of fear, if you're like me, it's like you you, you try to do so much in your own strength. Like, I'll control this. I'll provide. I'll get through this. And maybe you stop leaning into the dependence, the raw dependence of who God is. And you just stop, stop doing the little things. And then for some of us out there, I'm just going to say this because I know this is true for me. And I, I think there's, for some of you out there, is some of you need to just keep showing up in your marriage. You just need to be faithful there. Your wife, your husband, they need you to show up. They need you to be faithful and just keep being present. You're like, I don't, this has been uncomfortable. We've been stuck together. There's things flushing up. There's fears coming to light in this season. Yeah, God's inviting you into something. He's saying, are you going to chase the lion? Because you've been running from it for too long. And some of you, you need to lean into time with your kids. You need to be there and intentional and present and with them because they need you. And you're like, man, I've had enough of my kids for the next seven years, and now i got to homeschool them, Taylor. I I know. 
but it's a lion. It's not a rabbit. It's a lion. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's unpredictable. But God's asking you to show up because this is how your kid is going to come to realize who Jesus is. And then for some of you, maybe you're single, widowed, divorced, wherever you're at. Maybe it's a roommate. And God is showing you a lot in this season and he's going, hey, I'm, I'm teaching you that you've got to continue to love them. We as Christians, we're, we're good at talking about love, but actually when it comes down to it, we're just really good at tolerating things. And I think God is calling us beyond, tol- beyond tolerating people, but actually loving people in this season. And I'm the first one on that list that he's got to go after. First one, sunrise. This is a tough season, but God's asking us to keep showing up. And I want to get to my last point, my third point here. And it says, don't compare or critique, just go. And uh, I think it's easy to look at the story of Benaniah and... uh, go, man, he doesn't get a lot of press. And this is, this is kind of my thought on this, is that press means greater popularity, and greater popularity means greater significance. And I think that's what we all desire. But culture tells us if you want to be significant in this life, then you need to gain influence and you need to gain followers. He wasn't even considered as famous as the Mighty Three. He was more like honorable mention, like pretty close, but not, not quite. And I think it would have been so easy for Benaniah to kind of look at the situation and go, you know what? I'm not going to kill 800 men. I'm just another name on a list. I'm just, I, I can't do anything. Or, you know, it could have been the famous, like, man, some of us are really good at critiquing in this season. Like, we don't go chase the lion, but we're really good at telling you all the ways that you should have chased the lion, Right? Got our Monday morning quarterbacks out there. If you don't know what that is, that means games are played on Sunday in the NFL and all the critics come out on Monday and told, tell them how they should have played. Man, we're really good at that. We've become really good at staying back while other people go chase lions and telling them how they should have done it. And I'm telling you, man, you got to get in the game. You got to jump in the pit. You got to go after them. Don't sit back and worry about what everyone else is doing and their stories and everything else. Don't sit back and critique. You know, when we start comparing, comparing kills opportunities. Comparison kills. It just kills. It flat out kills everything. And what we do when we compare is we're trying to add significance and we're trying to add value to our life by our own terms, by bringing others down usually, by critiquing, by doing those kind of things. And the truth is, is we were made to be valued. We were made to be desired, but we're trying to create it on our own when the truth is, is that God values us and desires us just the way we are. And when we figure out that, when we figure out that our value comes from the Father, that we are loved and we are pursued and that we're blameless before his eyes, even when we don't feel blameless and that 
he would send his own son to the cross for us. No, we start going into pits, jumping, chasing lions because we know who holds the fate in their hands. It's him. And so I'm just telling you, don't compare, don't critique, just go. Just go. You know, we've been highlighting uh, different people within our church body uh, throughout this season, or throughout this series that maybe we would call unlikely heroes because we want you to understand that everyone's a hero. And one of the families I want to highlight in this is I interviewed um, Sampy and Mandy Brown. They took off in the summer of 2019 to the Basque country uh, in Spain. And they left their comfortable, safe place of Hillsborough, Oregon, and decided, hey, we're going to go chase a lion across the world. And so I just want to show you a little bit of their story and my interview with them over Zoom. Go ahead. Let's go back in the journey. You guys were in Hillsborough, Oregon. Um, <laughs> Sampy, you were working at Intel. And all of us, you know, you guys, how did it kind of start? You guys took over the kind of the Basque students coming over that whole program here at Sunrise. Just take us a little bit down, down memory lane with that one. So for, for many years, uh, Sampy and I both felt that we were called to, to moving overseas somehow. Um, we didn't know where, we didn't know when or why, but we'd felt this calling for a long time that at some point uh, that we were going to live overseas. Then in 2015, we hosted a student from the Basque country. Um, we just fell in love with her, with the Basque culture, and with just everything involved in it. And through that, we were able to come and visit here uh, many times. Um, and just through that, we just really began filling the, the call that God had put on us to be able to move over here to um, just to work here to try to spread his gospel here. Um, then we met Katie and Ian Brew with Crossroads Global, two we're here with. Uh, we just really saw all the, the puzzle pieces just started falling into place. So we could see that, you know, this calling that we had felt for so long about moving overseas at some point, we started to really see, okay, this is where this is this is the why and this is and it's and it's now that you know this is really where god is is calling us to to be over here just with this past season do you guys feel more uh affirmed in that decision with covid or do you guys have you been experiencing doubts along the way in that no no i mean it's no been not more, at all more affirming we would have yeah i mean we've talked several times of I mean, the timing, there was a small window. If the timing would have been any later, we would not have been able mm -hmm. to make a, a change. We now have a, a shared experience with the local people here that before all of this happened, we didn't necessarily have a lot in common with a lot of people here. But now after this, we can say like, hey, we were in this with you. For those who probably don't know a little bit, you know, exactly what you're doing, what are you doing over in, in the Basque country? They are an unreached people group, which means that 2% uh, or less of the population would self-identify as an evangelical Christian. So it's not that they are a different religion, it's that here they just aren't religious. What we're doing here, we're doing some different community-based projects. We're doing some projects within the school where our kids go. Um, we're supporting the local churches, the very few that are here, and it's all basically foreigners here. The only evangelical churches are churches that have been planted by foreigners. Uh, there are no Basque evangelical churches. It's just not a thing yet. 
Um, so we support the local churches um, and just doing some different projects just in order to, to really build relationships with people here so that we can have that open door to explain why are we here? What are we doing here? Who is God um, about our relationship with God? And to be able to have that open door uh, to share the gospel with them now. That's so. so cool how God has united you guys that way. When you're standing at the doorstep of something and you're, you're deciding, you know, I mean, it's almost like you're, you're, you're taking your bride, right, over that threshold, right? You're, you're making a decision and it's either you're all in or you're, you're only part of the way in. There's no, there's no lukewarm at that point, right? God well, doesn't call us to a lukewarm Christian, yeah. right? And I think you know, just when we embrace that as a family to see us all kind of just take that step. I mean, we had tears in our face. Mm -hmm. And just first of all, look at each other and say, yeah, we're going to do this as a family. And just mm -hmm. the fruit that it's bore out of that one decision. Yeah. Isn't that an awesome story? Just up and left the safety of Hillsboro, Oregon, a good job and said, hey, we feel called. And I love them talking about that, that window. There was only a small moment where they could be over there and uh, really have been there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be allowed in the country now. And I asked them this question. I said, hey, you know, talk about that moment. I, I talked with them for an hour, but you guys just saw a few minutes of it. And I said, just talk about that moment where you hopped in the pit. You know, kind of the emotions and the feelings that you were going through. And they're, they're talking about being on the front doorsteps of their house at the time going crying and then also saying looking at each other and going hey if we're not all in this we're not going and uh but another thing that kind of came up in the conversation was this idea that if we don't go it feels like we're disobeying god and i think that is just something for all of us to look at in this season and go what is god calling us to what's that moment that he's really bringing us in for and can we follow him or are we going to have maybe disobedience by not following him into this moment that he's called us to? So I want to read uh, this, this uh, it's, called a, it's called the Lion Chasing Manifesto and uh, it's written by Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. He wrote two books on Benaniah. I preach a 30 minute sermon. He can write two books. Um, man, but this is, is powerful stuff. So I'm just going to read this to you. And I just want you to close your eyes wherever you're at. You got people around. You got any. Just close your eyes and just bow your head. And I just, I just want you to just listen to it and let these words and let this charge kind of send you out today. It says, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become a part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risk. Expand your horizon. Accumulate experiences. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God.
burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails, criticize by creating. Worry less about what people think and more about what God thinks. Don't try to be who you're not. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith and chase that lion, sunrise. Chase that lion. You know, when I started writing this message earlier in the week, I was really struggling because I was like, man, I, God, I'm tired. And I don't feel like chasing lions right now. Actually, I don't want to do this. I was debating about switching characters. I'm like, can we talk about someone else in the Bible? Because the last thing I feel like doing is jumping into a pit, God, in this season. The last thing I feel like doing is being brave. Last thing I feel like doing is loving people because I, I'm hurting myself. I don't want to do this, God. Like, that's what I'm just telling him. And then somewhere I would say, I'm, I'm not going to say there's a moment or anything like that, but I just think somewhere in the midst of this season, you're going to find the strength of God. You're going to find it. And God's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to say, hey, I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. And you're going to end up at a moment where the only thing that works is if you depend on God. And I think when you get to that moment, you're going to be chasing lions. And so sunrise, I'm tired. I know we're tired. But there are people who don't know Jesus Christ in this world. There are people who do, are not going to experience an eternity with Jesus. This is it. And we've got to bleed for them. And the odds are stacked against us. But we have the greatest provider, God, on our side. And so we got to storm the gates of hell. We got to let our fears be exposed and our weakness be the thing that draws people to Jesus. Instead of forcing our own way, we have to come and bow a knee and wash feet and understand where people are coming from in this season. And God's calling us to do it. But we've got to expose ourselves to the fears that are surfacing in the season and surrender them to Him. And the only way we can do that is if we come to this realization that we are valued, loved, and desired just the way we are. And that our home is not this place, but it is eternity with the Father. So go chase lions, sunrise. Go chase lions. Go chase that neighbor. Go chase that kid that needs to know Christ right now. Go chase people and love them and bring them into this relationship with Jesus. He wants to use you. And there's gonna be a moment and you're gonna to have to jump into the pit and enter into the uncomfortableness and the unpredictability and God's gonna show up. I love you guys. We miss you. I love you so much.